You're just crazy as hell. Fenton or Adam or whatever your damn name is. I don't really give a fuck. All I need to know right now is you are a murdering son of a bitch. And I got you. Maybe. But that's not gonna bring your mother back, is it? She's dead. And her killer got away, didn't he? God damn you, you little son of a... That's right, Cinema 9 Podcast. We got them all for you here. Travis Roy, what used to be known as Eric Branstrom, and Michael Govier. I guess Eric got a little camera shy there. He freaked <laughs> out, and he had to leave. But he will be back. He always comes back. He never abandons us. That's what we do here. We stick together on the Cinema 9 Podcast. We talk movies, film, cinema, all things related to the creation and critical review of movies, right? That is what we do. And, if, and there is Eric back in action. Welcome back. Did you have like a... A uh, temporary existential moment, or was it just like a Wi-Fi th- issue? I was offended by tits and bits. <laughs> no, no more other sister references, right? <laughs> Milked it long enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's no doubt about that. Uh, glad Eric came back to join us because today we're going to talk about his selection. He chose a movie yeah. called Frailty from 2001. So we'll get to that later in the show. We'll break it down and we'll discuss it in detail. But before we do that, you know, we'd like to say hello to each other and see how, uh, you know, how are things? How's society treating you, Travis? Uh, pre- pretty good. It's, I'm like going into the mouth of the lion every time I go to work because literally more than half of my students are out sick. And the ones that are here, more most of those are recovering from being sick. And I'm just like, and it's like flu and COVID and God knows what else. Like there are people that have both right now. I'm just like, all right, just 
just going in. Just let's see what happens today. <laughs> wow. Every day is an adventure. Wow, dude. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not fun. That's not fun. You know, it's not fun. It's not and fun. We uh, lost Eric. Eric again. Wow. Well, I, I don't know why he's not having fun. Oh, he's got yeah. he's got some audio issues. He's trying to correct. He's gonna he's gonna he'll come back to us. He will come back to us. If you love Eric, set him free. He'll fix his audio issues and return. It's an ongoing thing. <laughs> <laughs> no. What? No. Right, Aaron? Hey, shout out to Chud Pud right now. Eric's Jimmy. having some audio issues. And I know that uh, Eric, our buddy Chud Pud takes, uh, he takes pride in letting us know if we ever have audio issues. So we do appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't give up on us, Dad. That's about all I can say. Uh, but, you know, uh, I was thinking how excited I was. You know, Sunny Day Real Estate is back, and they're going to be doing a show. So we have to mention that because it's all thanks to you that you enlightened me. I woke up to the news of that that day, and it, it changed my life. It was so exciting. I agree. It was exciting to me, too. You know, I, I saw that they were playing, I want to say, Riot Fest or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of started keeping an eye on the old Facebook page like a good boomer. And uh, and then the rock and roll band announced that they were they were coming, coming finally on tour. So after, like, I don't know, 12 years after buying a ticket to see them, you and I will finally see them together. And Eric is back again. Hello, sir. How's, how's Griffith, Indiana? I'm here to stay. Uh, I recently... <laughs> Pulled the trigger on some tickets for November. I'd never seen Smashing Pumpkins. They're my favorite band of the 90s. And they're coming with Jane's Addiction, who I've always kind of wanted to see. So I'm kind of excited for that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm getting pumped for shows. I haven't been to a show in eons. Yeah, I started running down the list after I uh, got the Sunny Day Real Estate ticket. And mm -hmm. it made me think, wow, yeah, there's probably a lot of shows this year. People are ready to get back out. COVID, in a strange way, has blessed us with the opportunity to see bands that maybe would not have toured, um, who took it for granted, maybe. I mean, these are speculative comments, but... Very. Well, I think that it's maybe more of a like a clogged pipe effect, like any band that maybe was thinking about going on tour for the last few years, you know, everyone's, everyone's going to kind of have a big push, you know, all at That's once. That's true, too. Yeah, I think which is I also think happening, which is happening in, in theaters as well, right? I mean, like it's kind mm. of slowing down now, but we're getting like this glut of Marvel content and all that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, okay, it's like the you know, the the stool has loosened up. <laughs> oh, stool <laughs> softeners, really gross metaphor. Stool softeners are a staple of the feast. You got to have your stool softeners always. So, yeah, very important. But uh, I also saw, you know, I didn't get to see that Jawbox run, but they're doing a couple tour dates, mm. and I think it's incredible. Yeah, I think we're locked in. I'm going to be locked in to see them on July 23rd in D.C. Because I'm I was supposed to be D.C. in D.C. Yeah, Look, it's yeah, in D.C. I want to see them in D.C. Oh, that's, OK. That's where they're from, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. You know, they're part yeah, of that yeah. hardcore scene back in the day. They're yeah, only doing yeah. they're not doing a full tour. It's a, like a couple of New York City dates at D.C. And I also found that out because I looked at the Riot Fest calendar. I'm like, oh, Jawbox is playing mm. Riot Fest. Oh, right. Welcome a pretty good Riot Fest lineup. So. Welcome to Post Punk Nine. We're, uh, <laughs> we're here to talk alternative music and uh, the resurgence of bands from the 20 years ago. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Uh, Matt Wilson's here. He says, "Okay, just to get it out of the way, don't go see oh. Father Stew. It was horrible. Best part was I bought my pre-tickets for Top Gun, and yes, they still do the MJR clap in Brighton. LOL. <laughs> That's wonderful." Uh, Father Stew is the new Mel Gibson movie. Yeah, did he direct sure. it? I know that's uh, what's what's his nuts. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is starring. I know. 
Uh, are you guys excited for this new Top Gun movie? I I had I, I'm like, I had zero interest in this shit because I never cared for the movie, frankly. But people are basically I mean, like I heard I heard a big time reviewer today say it was gonna be that it was better than fucking a fast uh what's it mad max uh fury road and all, like, all these huge like I'm, I'm these grandiose claims are being made like it's gonna win an oscar i'm like okay people are really fucking excited for this movie what <laughs> the oscars and top gun <sighs> i got my tickets uh, i'm gonna take Angie. like she's a huge top gun fan and she hasn't been to the theater really? since 2019 so it's gonna be a fun night for us oh that's exciting be a good return. I am more interested in talking about it and like making fun of it or be like, oh, Top Gun 2. It's just funny to make fun of Top Gun. I don't really, I don't cherish the actual original. I mean, I love Tony <laughs> Scott, but it was not even close to for, for me to being like a top five Tony Scott movie. Uh, it's just more fun to make fun of the movie for like uh, Tarantino did so well about <laughs> The funniest thing about Top Gun ever is it's one man's quest of raggling and accepting his homosexuality. It's so funny when he did that. I, well, I can't remember what movie that was from. You guys know what I'm talking about? It sounds like a Jackie Brown Tarant- kind of thing, but I'm not sure. Yeah, remember. it's pre-Jackie Brown. It was in like some small movie. It's not his movie, but he was like oh. you know, doing an Four acting rooms? bit in someone's movie. Oh. Now, I, I was thinking um, that's what it was, Destiny, but it wasn't that Destiny either. Turns on the radio. Destiny turns on the radio, right? <laughs> Destiny is that what it is? It's got, I mean, it's fucking got to be. Oh. If it wasn't four rooms and it wasn't from dust till dawn, I mean, he hasn't done that much else, to be frank. Okay. Well, I do know it's from the mid-90s, and I'll just take your word for it. And if you guys want to verify it, let us know. You're watching or listening. Cinnamon iPod at ProtonMail.com is how you can contact us. Let me know what movie was Tarantino's <laughs> rant about Top Gun being one man's quest <laughs> to come to terms with his sexual homosexuality, which is a beautiful story to tell. I kind of I kind of like it when it's told in those terms, but... I have a feeling that's not what they were trying to do with the original Top Gun. So we'll, we'll if see. If they take a new one uh, in that direction, that would be very encouraging. That'd be cool. It just seems like they're going to do the beats. This is the type of movie where you do all the beats of the first one, except with different actors. So I just, I'll be shocked. Uh, you know, if if these reviews are as they say they are, then I will be shocked, and I will admit that <laughs> I was wrong. I will. But Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, let's talk in movies. Let's get into quarantine viewing picks. Travis Roy, you have control of the board. What have you been watching since you've been a busy boy trying to avoid the plague? <laughs> <laughs> uh, revisited Bulletproof from 1996. Okay. Yeah. It's forgettable, and I'd forgotten it. And now I. The most know. forgettable Adam Sandler movie outside of maybe uh, the first one he ever did before he was on SNL. Can't yeah, that's the only one I haven't movie. seen, but uh, it's like this you was. Never seen like, Going Overboard? I've Come never on, seen guys, Going Overboard. Get it together. I think I have other things going on. <laughs> like Bulletproof. <laughs> Not, yeah, like Bulletproof, again. Which, what a fucking shitty movie. Um, Lost City from, from this year, the new one with okay. Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. You know, there's been a bunch of movies like this before it came out. There's going to be a bunch of movies like this after it. But, you know, it was an entertaining afternoon, throw it on kind of thing on the weekend. It was fine. It was fine. Keep your expectations moderated. <laughs> and you will pass the time with the lost city. <laughs> you know, I had not heard about this until recently, but Don Cheadle like single-handedly wrought this movie like out of the ether called Miles Ahead, where he basically uh it's really weird because it's not a biopic of Miles Davis, but it had the blessing of his family and it takes a bunch of his actual events from his life. Have you seen it, Mike? I remember this movie, and I I, did, I actually had it, and I didn't get a chance to watch it when I had it. So It's wild, so. because like there's real things happening in the film, but they're being strung together in ways... Hey, 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 
Calm down. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Uh, he Dogs are like, tender. Uh, Scruffy doesn't like having um, invaded territory when he's in his little seat. And Mara got. I, uh, by the way, Miles side note, Davis totally random side note. I was playing softball last Sunday, which I obviously I play way too much softball. Okay. But the guy told me that we're talking dogs, and he said that Chihuahuas become very attached to one person. Is that true? <laughs> this okay. is very true. This dog is trying to follow me into the shower. She cries <laughs> like constantly. She's very, very attached to me. Um, like I was right. Okay, cool. I How think about that? so. Which I don't well, mind. Maybe he's a huge uh, Don Cheeto fan. She's like, careful, Travis. You better not bad mouth the cheat. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, funny. Maybe. Oh, wait. Here, let me switch. Anyway, don't mess so, with the cheat. Yeah, I'm sorry. Dog, dog trouble. I'm trying to wrangle them. She's still, you know, she's still learning. She's, she's becoming a very good girl. She just has some work to do. Uh, anyways, Miles Ahead was was interesting because it was like strung together by this character that Ewan McGregor plays that doesn't exist. He was like this reporter and like he's tagging along with Don Cheadle through all these adventures or you know Miles Davis and all these adventures that didn't actually, t- but like they did take place. But it was a weird way to do a biopic. Um, Good performance from Don Cheadle. Uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised mm. I haven't heard more about it. Cool. You know, um, after sitting through the dreck that was <laughs> Doctor Strange in the multiverse oh, of multiverse whoa, of madness. Whoa, whoa, the dreck! I hated it. Did oh, we talk about this? Already? I think I was. I caught a tail end of this. I think because I wasn't on this episode, and that was the. That's I believe right. it was oh, the. The Cosimo episode, like a Marvel movie. You've missed out. <laughs> it's, well, I had to ask my. Like, so I went and watched Thor oh. one and Thor two. Just and because I'd already also recently watched Incredible Hulk, and um, the first Avenger, and definitely like those a lot more than I thought I did. So I wanted to see is Multiverse of Madness the worst movie in the MCU? And I really think it might be. I really I watched Thor wow. and Thor: The Dark World. Dar- yeah, Thor Dark is World. definitely Thor is definitely better than Multiverse of Madness, but Dark World and it might be tied. I mean, Dark World is a mess. Wow. Multiverse of Madness is a mess, but at least Dark World, like the director, doesn't just smear himself all over it like a peanut butter sandwich on someone's wall. So. so- so that. Sam Raimi put way too much of himself in this movie is what you're telling it's, me. It's nothing but Raimi. I mean, I'm constantly throughout the, I mean, I've already said this on the show, so sorry for yeah, those. That yeah. are, but I mean, like, it's oh, just, okay. it's just, it's just like constant refrain. Hey, here's the trick I did. And remember when I did this, remember when I did this and that movie, here's this from that movie. And but Dr. Strange is going to do it now. And it's like, okay. And this, and on top of that, the script was a fucking, I mean, it was a wreck. There's so many wasted opportunities. So I will leave Dang. that review there. Wow. I've, again, I've already beat that, that, Horse, but uh, with the Doctor Strange is sign lined at his own sequel from what uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like Damn. the least interesting thing in the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, with the passing of Fred Ward, I had to, of mm. course, once again revisit Re- Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, which never gets old. <laughs> I love it so much. I will defend that movie. I know, of course, that Joel, Joel Gray in like Korean yellow face is obviously more than a little problematic, but I'll tell you what, through the whole movie, all the character does is like curse out Remo Williams for being a white man and talk about how Koreans are the most superior people on earth. So, I mean, got, you know, for those that have that issue, that's, it is at least there's that going on, but I swear that movie's so funny. So fun. I could just watch that over and over again. Remo Williams never gets old. Rest in peace, Fred. <laughs> I remember this poster. Never seen it. Like he's climbing like the Statue of Liberty. Like what, what, what is this? Who is this guy? Like, well, did, the, a, did the adventure continue? Like, who the hell is Remo Williams? <laughs> I wish it had. I don't think it was Marvel. I don't know who owned it, but it was a comic book character. 
and there was only one movie made. And basically, he's <laughs> this guy who's trained by this Korean master to like do all of this, you know, uh, impossible stuff. And and there's this incredible mm. action sequence in the film back in '84 or '85 when the um, the Statue of Liberty was being worked on for an extended period of time. So there's all this rigging and all this scaffolding going on. And, there's a, and the stunts in this movie are insane. There's a huge scene where Fred Ward is doing some of his own stunts and people are like grappling and jumping around the Statue of Liberty. It's incredible. It's really fun. That's awesome. And that's what I watched. Those are the films. Remo Williams. If you haven't seen it, you should watch Remo Williams. Well, there you have it. All right. Hey, Eric Brasher, what about you? Yeah, Bridget Jones, baby. I know. <laughs> I've never, oh! never seen any of the Bridget Jones films. Like, this came on. I couldn't find the remote. And, like, <laughs> I, I kind of liked it. Uh, I don't know. What can I tell you? I did those last year. I did those last year. It was fun. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I liked them. Like, fast-paced, fun, sweet romantic comedy. I had no big complaints here. Um, but in terms of, like, actual content that I sought out, I got to tell you that I watched... Um, Nick of Time? I remember Nick of Time? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> Johnny Depp has to like yeah. kill this guy and like there's like a hundred people just staring at him for like an hour and a half until he does it. <laughs> like like they're not gonna be found out that it's some sort of conspiracy. Like what what is this plot? Um I don't know, kind of fun. Uh, it rests on the gimmick of, of taking place all in real time. I remember that being mm -hmm. the first move that I ever saw it takes place yeah. within like it's all you know consecutive in an hour and a half <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But I'm like, there's cameras everywhere. You're not gonna like be like Look, this guy told me to do it. See how in like every like this whole an hour and a half he's getting in my face telling me to kill this guy? <laughs> Bizarre. Um <laughs> Yeah, Mighty Joe Young, nineteen ninety eight. Speaking <laughs> of Bill Paxton, I went back. Um Yeah, I mean <laughs> what am I gonna say here? Ron Underwood directs this is the guy who made Tremor, speaking of the great Fred Ward and uh City Slavers. Yeah. He gives us Mighty Joe Young. It's It's got some fun moments in the beginning, and then it's just like, who cares? It's going to go to the city, cause trouble. Like, what do we do? He's out there. It's the city. <laughs> kind of dumb. Um, yeah, not much to say there. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by what, as it turns out, is my final selection because uh, it was a very – you know, we're winding down the school year, so I got a lot of grading and shit. Uh, heavyweights. <laughs> Turn on heavyweights. Remember heavyweights? Like 1995, like Kenan Thompson, like Ben Stiller, a bunch of kids at Fat Camp. It's written by Judd Apatow. Yeah. I had no idea. I went back and watched it. This is part of Ben Stiller's What the Fuck on Joe Blow. Uh, I never saw that movie. I was like, oh, I've never heard of this or seen this. I'm going to have to watch it. To be that. honest with you, man, <laughs> I was laughing out loud. It's It's funny. Like uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was laugh out loud, funny, um, and sincere. So, hmm. yeah, heavyweights, I can recommend it. But did uh, uh, did Joe it. Blow figure out that Ben Stiller has been executive producing and you know directing and stuff? Yeah. Did he ever find out what happened done? to Ben Stiller in the past twenty five oh, yeah, years? I, it's just again, this series is. To, I'll get into that when it's I talk. Yeah, crap. I'll address that. I know it's so stupid. It's just total. Maybe that's what we need to be doing. Hey, what the fuck happened to Batman? What the fuck happened to the Batman? <laughs> Clickbait garbage, man. Yeah, where is Robert Pattinson? What happened to him? <laughs> Yikes. Uh, heavyweights. All right. Got to revisit. I remember, you know, seeing it back in the day, but then since it was new. Benson? Uh, ben since oh. it oh, was like new. Benson, that old is series. That How's the reason? Yeah, Is it kicking in early? 
Uh, Matt Wilson, buddy, our friend, chiming in again. Okay, Travis, I saw a trailer about Nicolas Cage promoting the movie about Nicolas Cage. I was curious your thoughts. I, I love Nicolas Cage. I loved The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. What else can I possibly say? I mean, I, I reviewed it earlier on the show, so I won't go too deeply into it. But, I mean, if you if you like things that are good, you should watch that movie. Oh. Beautiful. Well said. Michael? Are you done? Okay, that's it. I, I'm done. I, I, gush, I gush about Cage a lot. I can I can rain. No, it no I didn't know Eric was done. Yeah, okay. Oh, 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 you can gush. You'll, that, the gushing of Cage will never end. That's never done. That's just like a pause button. So, <laughs> uh, okay. Remember well, yeah, man, those are good. I never got to have those in my house, but Andrew Johnson had them at his house. We see all of them premium right snack. away. Yeah, just murder though. that snack cabinet underneath the uh, counter there. <laughs> he didn't care. They had plenty of money. They could afford more. It's fine. Yeah. Ah, it's a great attitude to have towards your friends. <laughs> <laughs> gushers animosity. Animosity from the gushers. No, uh, I, I remember using the kid for his like He-Man toys and his Dunkaroos. So I can't. Okay. I can't exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know when to talk. Yeah, hey, you got to take advantage of these opportunities when you get them. If you don't come from a you know, super fun, healthy lifestyle, you know, he was the son of a dentist. I'm like, you got real Robotech toys. It was amazing. They were steel. that's a big deal. Yeah, that's big a deal. big deal, man. Uh, so I went back to 2016, not very far away, and I watched uh, Batman v Superman: The Ultimate Cut, Ultimate <laughs> okay. Edition. I never All saw right. the Ultimate Edition. I'm like, oh, so what are some of the extras in this? Uh, I mean, there's a few things in there, I think, where the extension of scenes, uh, scenes that weren't in the movie that were dropped, um, you have a better chance of seeing Amy Adams naked in the tub, I guess. That was part of it. I'm like, okay, uh, this is a cartoon comic book movie. Why is there a naked woman in a bathtub? It seemed like they were trying to ground it in a reality with that. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, Amy Adams is a wonderful woman, a wonderful actress, very talented. But, you know... I just feel bad for the movie now. I, I actually feel bad for Batman v Superman because of the people are so locked in on the Martha thing. It's the first thing that comes <laughs> up within a minute of discussing the film. But if you if you can get past that, I think it's it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. Uh, it's a bit bloated, and obviously how everything ended uh, with the fall of the Justice League disaster and all that. There's so much there's so much of like mythos playing into this that it's unfair a bit to the movie. I think it's a little unfair. I, I kind of like the movie, but I also think about the, the motivations of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Like, what you know, what he did, what Superman did with Zod and destroying a city. That is a great premise for, like, setting up an anger. Like, people died, and they were lives were destroyed because of these superheroes going crazy against each other and totally dismissing the life they're supposed to be protecting. And that makes sense, but... It just doesn't make sense for someone to switch instantly because they heard the name Martha. And I guess I'm, I'm, in, yeah, I'm still, I'm still confused by it. I still wonder how they were laying it out, storyboarding it. Okay, this is the let's storyboard the Martha scene. He's gonna stab him with the kryptonite spear, but he's gonna say save Martha, and then he's just gonna stop in this rage. He's supposed to be in an absolute rage. Did you see how hard Ben Affleck's character was working out with the fucking hanging weights? I mean, this guy was really putting in time. If, Working out sucks. It's not fun, okay? That would not change right away. So I guess in the end, I just still don't get why the Martha thing happened, but I also think it's overplayed. I think these are simultaneously happening at once. I don't know. I, any thoughts on that? I, I, I like the now? film. I, I've always defended the movie. I hate all versions of Justice League, but I actually like Batman v Superman. I, I think it's I'm, very harshly condemned. I know that he was miserable, Affleck, when he was doing that, that that was like the peak of his alcoholism and that like that's when Jennifer Garner was like, you need to stop 
this you need to like get your shit together so i know and i think it kind of comes across in the film um i've always taken great issue with uh murderer batman i don't care for murderer batman i think it yeah. runs completely contrary to the, what the character right. is right. Uh, so i have big big problems with that and you know i don't know the most mason jars full of piss in a movie since the aviator <laughs> <laughs> Granny's pe- peach piss? Granny's peach tea piss? Honestly, it's the first thing that leaves my mind every time someone talks about that movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, chug a piss over that one. Holly Hunter, piss. Granny's piss. Holly Hunter staring at piss. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think and of you, every time. Hey, that, yep. it feels like a missed marketing opportunity. They definitely should have made <laughs> sure. a drink. With all the things they exploit for marketing and cash, right. I cannot believe they didn't make a custom special edition Granny's yeah. piss. Team up, the Mason company. <laughs> Team up with the Mason Jar Company yes, and, yes. And, and Snapple or something. Yeah, these marketing people think of everything. I can't believe they didn't think of that. But <laughs> Also, and I love I love Jesse Eisenberg so much, but he's, he's great. You know, you're doing a Joker as Lex Luthor. It's just Ooh. stupid. You know, it doesn't work, man. And I love Jesse Eisenberg. I will always risk. defend him. He took a risk. I appreciate that, but it's just it's too close to like. Uh, maniacal Lex Luthor to me is more reserved, like very intelligent, pragmatic, not a nut, not like a. <laughs> <laughs> Do it again for the rest of the show. <laughs> you know, I, I think that like I cannot imagine someone more miscast in any movie. As much as I like Jesse Eisenberg, he's one of the most miscast people I can think of, and I I can only imagine he's like. Oh, what the fuck am I doing in this movie? I better do something completely fucking out on a limb. That's the thing, yeah. man. You think? I think what now? What's that? You, 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 think? You, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come okay. back. I think you think I think. You, you figured they hired him and, and they were just like, we love the social network. Just We're picturing Lex Luthor as Mark Zuckerberg. Just, so, so just do that. And he's right. like, okay, I'll do the movie, but I'm not doing that. And they were like, oh, fuck. Well, just yeah. whatever. <laughs> I, think, I think you probably nailed it. <laughs> Hey, come on, do that. Uh, okay, so I uh, I watched Tango and Cash. I think Eric watched this a while ago. Was that you? And if it's not Tango, it's Cash. <laughs> Jack Palance yep. gets like no screen time. He's like it's, he's a oh, classic stupid. actor. It was so dumb. There's a lot of funny stuff behind the making of this movie too, because none other than the fucking bozo man himself, John Peters, was involved in this movie. So anytime John Peters is involved, it's going to be a chaotic set. And he's going to make it. He's probably going to be the main reason there is a chaotic set. Tell and, me who John I, Peters is. I don't know who John Peters is. Oh, he's Peters. the producer. He's the producer who's produced tons of stuff. He used to be with Barbara Streisand in the 70s. He was a hairstylist. Shampoo was based upon oh, him. Oh, was he Was the he the guy baby. that Bradley Cooper was based on yep. in, uh, in Licorice Pizza? Okay. Yes, I Bingo. have heard of him. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, the guy who wanted the, the spider that he actually yeah. got in to Wild Wild yes. West, which is a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very famously got the giant metal spider in a movie. Didn't care yes. what movie it was in. Yeah, just here we're making we're remaking Room with a View. Well, let's put a giant fucking spider in it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, he's also he's also a scumbag. Like he's like verbally and physically abusive. Fuck that guy entirely. Oh really? He's everything yeah. that's wrong with Hollywood. Like that he he's done shit like that on set. You can look it up. Google John Peters J O N if you prefer. And uh, yeah, he also I'll say this. Christopher Nolan barred him because this guy still owned the rights. He still held the rights to Superman. So, But when Christopher Nolan was executive producer on Man of Steel, he barred him from the set, said he could never be there ever, and uh, everyone <laughs> clapped. They were very happy about that. So. He's still alive, for the record. John Peters is hanging out somewhere oh, yeah. being like 
too out of control and angry and he's his his his, his eccentricities are so fun his verbal <laughs> abuse is so eccentric what a good time <laughs> fuck off jesus christ uh and i think that was pretty much it i watched like i said the joe blow what the fuck videos the wtf videos i mean they're as travis said they're just trying to suck you in it looks to this what the fuck happened to goodfellas what, what? uh it's an amazing movie. End of story. Okay. Well, maybe uh, they're doing like like we ask ourselves, does it hold up? And then sometimes we like last week we did the witch, which is not that old. So yeah. maybe they're just trying to like they wanted to talk about Goodfellas, so they're like, what the fuck happened to Goodfellas? That movie. That's what they're doing. Routinely talks about. Yeah, You're right. Okay. That's exactly what they do. They just use WTF as you know. Oh my god, what happened to that person or that movie? And then they just like break down the movie, how much money it made and how it got made, and blah 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 blah. So yeah. that's really that's, all it is. That's all they're doing. Okay, we've yeah. deciphered the code. You know who got one which surprised me, and I did watch it. What the fuck happened to Rob Schneider? <laughs> <laughs> he got his own video, which I couldn't believe. I'm like, what? Rob Schneider gets his own video? Waiting for Grown Ups Three. That's what he's doing. Yeah. I, that <laughs> Clearly. I'd actually be curious about. I mean, like, what happened? I mean, I saw Deuce Bigelow in theaters, so I'm... It made a lot of money, too. Yeah. It was a moneymaker for them. He I enjoyed uh, the animal. He's He wow. left the Democratic Party. Wow. So Said I'll just it. let you fill in the blanks on all that, where he, <laughs> he's become more political over the last seven, eight years. Okay. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Did you know he also has money from Netflix, though? Netflix is crashing. Netflix is going to start offering commercials here soon. It, it's yeah. all going to hell for Netflix right now. They paid Rob Schneider good money for stand-up specials and a TV show. So, hey, maybe you guys should have slowed down on just dispensing the cash to anybody. Little, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's almost know. like just having a blank check. And then for, yeah. for single seasons <laughs> of TV shows for a decade was not a great business model. It's shocking. <laughs> yeah, you just, I guess you never can tell. If that's the world we're living in, I just don't understand it at all anymore. So. I think I see Hut, hut. Hut Hut's good, sir. Okay, there it is. Uh, uh, I watched some other movies, but I don't want to reveal them because they could be options uh, for okay. a future oh. show. Yeah, wow. Larry. All right, there it is. Uh, Cinema9podaprotonmail.com. We have no new emails this week, but if you want to email us, like that guy in England. Hey, England guy, you still out there? <laughs> How you doing? Sheriff of Nottingham? Who was that guy? Yeah, yeah, the guy hey, from you, Nottingham. You know what I noticed today is that someone recently, it looks like, it's kind of hard to tell when you look at our analytics or whatever, but it looked like someone had downloaded about 40 of our episodes that were more or less in a row, so they were like clearly binging us. I'm like, oh, binge us. By all means, please do binge us. Binge us, good sir, or good lady, Enjoy or whoever you are. Binge of us. Yeah, binge us instead of a nine. Have a good time. You could do it on the YouTube channel anytime, or you could do it in audio form on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, something from Christian here, it looks like. $2.78 is way too much for a Rob Schneider vehicle. They blew it. So I guess he's saying they over they overspent. Yes, I see right. you working now. Okay, I see you're saying, Christian. Well done. <laughs> Clever girl. Yeah. Uh, and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review if you wouldn't mind. We always check the reviews at least once a week, and Eric is quick to share the screenshots with us on our text thread, and we say, yay, thank you. In fact, we should probably like do that more often on the show, like, hey, thanks to so-and-so for doing reviews. And I'll try to do that next week and uh, remind us to do so. Uh, there you go. All right, all right. Sure. Should we get into frailty? Is that the movie? Frailty? That, that is the that is the film. Bass doesn't this look like a interview with a vampire? A it's like it, it definitely doesn't look like any of the cast members. Dan Stevens, <laughs> clearly Dan. It looks Stevens. like Dan Stevens. I was thinking that too. Bats <laughs> flying out of Dan Stevens' head. Frailty. <laughs> and also, why is it called Frailty? Well, 
I asked myself this question as well. Theories? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, okay. By all means, don't leave us a dangling. Yeah. What do you got? Let's get into it, man. Oh, you, want to do the, you want to do the whole? Let's I'm talk about. We got to do the whole. We got to do the whole deal. Like you, creature of habit, like you. I believe okay, he is. Okay. Right. So, uh, oh, speaking of creature of habit, we should mention that now, right? Yeah. Before we sure. get too far Early, into the show, good call. Yes. Let's make the announcement. Go ahead. Well, the announcement is uh, we're going to move the show to Wednesdays <laughs> instead of Thursdays. Uh, I've had some conflicts that have been annoying, and we have to start later and earlier, back and forth each Thursday. It's just so stupid why they do that. I don't know why they do that. But it's just going to be easier now because we're all available on Wednesday, so we're going to move the show to Wednesday. Same time, right? 7 o'clock on Wednesdays? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> catch us on Wednesdays, and then we'll be dropping the episode to, for download on Spotify and Apple and whatnot the following Thursday. When so this is the last the Thursday show. Yeah, do you do you catch the show on the drive into work on normally on Friday morning? Because now it'll be Thursday morning. Do you uh you know I'm a big like dishwasher podcaster where I listen to a yeah. lot of podcasts while I'm doing Same. fucking dishes, cleaning my house. So let us know how you watch and if this Wednesday will be good for you. But I'm excited about the new time <laughs> slot. I like to wear my headphones, go to the grocery store, listen to a podcast. Yeah, I enjoy I like that. that too. So just be in my own world. And then I can just listen to my pods. Uh, probably shouldn't go to the grocery store seven days a week, though. I feel like that's too much. What do you yeah, mean, father? That's what he does. Yeah. He, go, he goes shopping once a day and buys one meal. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why do you do that? I, I, that too. Oddly enough, <laughs> started during hungry. COVID. I, I, yeah, I need to get day. out of that. Yeah. I spend like $100 I know. every visit starve myself. starving. Let's, <laughs> let's starve oh, yeah, ourselves and go shopping. Work. What a great idea. Frailty. today. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So uh, yes. Oh, that was from last week's show. Oh, yeah, that's right. That the dragon. Sometime. What was it? The, the reluctant the dragon. dragon. Oh. Yeah, the problematic the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> the gay coded <laughs> dragon. That's funny. Yeah, yes, that's correct. All right. So uh, this movie came out 2001, although some say 2002, but I'm going with 2001 yeah. again. Was, I don't I don't want to deal with this shit like last week. Last it was the same thing as last week. It came out in festivals because it's an independent film, and then it got sure. a broader release in 2002. I started digging that goddamn hole, but I did not pray. I would not. I hated God. I despised him. My hatred helped me dig, kept me going. Dads or gods or the angels or whoever's planet was would not work on me. I knew what dad was doing was wrong and nothing was going to change that. Okay, that makes sense. And if IMDb says it's 2001, that's usually what I go with. So, uh, Travis, do you remember seeing this film directed by Bill Paxton in 2001 or two? I do. Well, in 2002, when everyone else pretty much saw it, I was, I was working in Blockbuster, as we so often you know, have the story, uh, as prosaic as it is. I've heard, I've heard that mm -hmm. before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I rented it and I watched it. And I immediately put it in the very rare category. I'm going to call it the Session 9 category of <laughs> horror films I watched that came out in the early 2000s that I thought were fucking garbage that I in, that I watched like inexplicably get this huge cult following that mystified me. And then I watched it again last night. Okay. that's I love that. That's a fascinating description. Uh, Eric, <laughs> you chose this movie. Do you remember uh, remember the first time you put your eyes on frailty <laughs> this was a exceedingly rare date for me back in 2002 like i, I had very oh. very few dates in my adult life but uh yeah this was a date movie and all i can Sounds say like a is terrible the, date movie <laughs> well 
The romantic yeah, really opportunity is. quickly fizzled out, but my love for this film endured, and I saw it many times thereafter. I became a huge supporter and a one of the one of the uh, cult members. I, I loved the film. Saw it many times. Been about twelve years. Yeah, uh, clearly I never saw this, but I do remember it coming out. Frailty stuck with me. The f- some reason, that's a unique word. It stands out a bit. Frailty. Uh, I didn't know it was directed by Bill Paxton until I learned all this last week. So it's a whole new experience for me again. Two straight weeks of what I call scary movies uh, that were new to me. So let's talk about horror movie. I mean, it's score. Like, kind of a psychological horror movie, but it's, yeah, it's sort of a horror movie. Yeah, IMDb score. I'm going to guess. 5.9. Oh, man. Oh, wow. I feel like... Show. I better strap in. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I got to take myself out of it. I'm going to say this is a... It's like a 6.7. A 6.7. Yeah, I saw the score. It is anywhere from 7.2 or 7.3. It, it seems to have changed the past few days for some weird on, reason. No, on IMDb. Wow. It's yeah, IMDb. I, I, IMDb. It's just the letters. Like you don't have to... <laughs> And then you type it in .com afterwards, and then it'll, it'll tell you the score, which has got to be in the fives. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, no. I think right now it's 7.2. 7.2. 7. It is. Fascinating. Yeah, it is. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, and its popularity is rising recently. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, people are going to hate okay. me. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's see if you got some friends in common at good old Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, boy. Where? 75% of the critics said it was good. 75, that's a rock-solid score. And 78% of the audience. So, yeah, this is a tight crew right here. 75 and 78. So, the, you know, I guess people are seeing this movie for what it was, regardless of being a critic or just an average. <laughs> oh, did they lay a hand on it and then shake the camera and make a funny <laughs> noise and mug at the camera? And then make the music? Yeah, they did. Well? <laughs> they did. Lay a hand on the it's VHS funny. cover? <laughs> <laughs> Stare at each other. Stare at the VHS cover. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, see what the critical reaction is. We do this every week uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. How about uh, Neil so, Minow? Uh, oh, Neil Nell. Minow. Sorry, Nell. No, oh. Nell. It's Nell, Nell. Like the movie Nell. Nell? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give us the review, <laughs> but speak it like <laughs> Nell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, say the review like Nell, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Right, uh, Black drama. Uh, no. Unbelievable bruise. <laughs> Nell Minow of Common Sense Media said, violent and ultimately uneven and unsatisfying. Okay, Nell. Okay, well, Nell's entitled to her opinion. Glad to see that she's learned English and she's commentating on movies now. That's good. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Who else here? Looking for the classics. No Goody Coons again. I don't think Goody Coons would see this. He might be be afraid of scary movies. I think Ebes did chime Uh, in on it. He has to have chimed in. I'm sure we'll get there. How about... uh, Let's see. I'm looking for. Nope. Okay. Oh boy. A lot of reviews for this one, by the way. Many pages mm-hmm. of reviews. Read one. Uh, oh, there's a repeat <laughs> of Nell. Wait, Nell can't show up again. What the hell? We only need uh, one. For Richard. <laughs> How about uh, Richard Roper? He was a uh, took okay. over for the dearly departed Gene Siskel. Yeah. I love the way that it looked. It took chances and really asks you to take these great leaps of faith and pays off. He loves it. Wow. Dick Roper. We salute you. Payoff? Yeah, I don't know. Justin Thompson says, April This is from April 12, 2002. Oh, okay, hang on. Before you say it, it's fascinating that already it's, it's going to be a split 
that's in review because one of the other Eric's going to be happy or I'm going to be happy with it. Usually we're all that's happy true. With it. Oh, interesting. Right. Well, that's get, re- get ready, Travis. This might be his shortest yet, and that's saying something. Damn. Seriously. One word? <laughs> Good. Uh, <laughs> uh, suitably suspenseful and disturbing drama. All right. Okay. Suitably suspenseful? Yeah. Disturbing suitably. drama? Yes. I would suitably. I would agree with the disturbing Susan. part. It's definitely disturbing. Uh Ebes, as Travis alluded to, yes. Roger Ebert. An extraordinary work concealing in its depths not only unexpected story turns, but also implications hidden at first that make it even deeper and more sad. Yeah, okay, I read that. I'm like, did he? It's, it's, did he see the movie? Maybe he'd suffered a great loss right before that, <laughs> you know, and like, which, like in a deep place. I better strap kind, in for this kind one. Kind of colored his. So he became much more spiritual. Yeah, he's really like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. I want to believe. I want to believe. Let me get movie, one more woman in here. Wife <laughs> <laughs> ah! uh, one more woman. This is Lisa Schwartzbaum of Entertainment more Weekly. Woman. Against all odds, in heaven and hell, it creeped me out just fine. Okay, so there you go. A lot of people, uh, a lot of positive reviews for this movie. So, uh, is is it? Let's talk about the building up of the film and how it's played out. So this is one of those movies where the adult comes in and it's a storytelling <laughs> flashback movie where the children are heavily involved. So you get to see Matthew McConaughey as sitting supposedly Fenton. You yeah. can see him sitting <laughs> in a chair and then he sits in the backseat of a car for a while. And then, for, and then yeah. he stands. There is does, more than Ka- does more than Kevin Spacey usual suspect. <laughs> oh, it's even smaller. Yeah, that yeah, rolls even smaller. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well... Powers Booth and Matthew McConaughey sitting down going head-to-head. I'm in for that initially. Before I see the whole movie, I'm like, okay, all right. You got McConaughey and Powers Booth going head-to-head. Powers. I'm in. Let's see this. Powers. Who Powers has a Powers. kid, their firstborn son, and they both agree on Powers? That's the real question. I mean, maybe it's a family name? Uh, they didn't go with John or Wilkes, which is good. Powers won out. Anyway, yeah, like a slab of concrete face is right there on scene one. <laughs> A fucking slab of concrete looking at you like downturn uh, lips uh, <laughs> in an empty FBI office. <laughs> like, ten. come on, empty office. Uh, I'm going to send the one guy home mm-hmm. and not tell anyone where I'm going. Just <laughs> seems like a good idea to me. That's what I'm going to do. Well, uh, yeah, okay. while Fenton Meeks just telegraphs the mother thing from the beginning right off the bat. Hey, let's telegraph this photo of your mother again Whoa, and again okay, and again. Well, in case you forget, they want to bring it up every 10, 15 minutes in case you you, know, you might Twice. not notice. Yeah, uh, we're not going to give you enough credit as the movie going public. We, we think we're morons and we really want to drive. All right. All right. By the okay, way, the city's right. called Meat, Texas. Meat, Meat, Texas. Meat. Meat, Meat Texas. Meat, Texas. Yeah. Meat, yeah. Meat, Meat, Texas. Is that a real place? It, no. Uh, so they could have. I saw it on the name. bus stop, though. No, yeah, they did they not want to associate this story with a real story, so they decided on Meat Texas. Oh. I also got confused between Meat Texas and the last name of the family being Meeks, and so I was like, "Wait, are, it was confusing initially." I admit that it's not a huge deal, but the Meeks and Meat confused me. All right, not a big deal. But so what about these types of movies, though? Because I actually thought it's too late. I thought of this. I thought we should have done a list of like our favorite movies where someone's telling a movie in flashback <laughs> mode where they're kids again, like a radio flyer. Uh, there's a lot of movies like this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Many, it's a whole genre. Or even yeah, just uh, movies where that are like crime films, kind of a la Usual Suspects, mm. that are 
that are uh, most, it's all being told retrospectively, you know, like, you know, from a witness to a, and this is what they want to do with American beauty too, a witness to a cop or some, you know, somebody. To oh, a cop. Yeah. And there's a twist at the end. Um, how many movies have you seen that little move in? I mean, a lot, I feel like. Yeah, it's new to me. No. Okay. I could be wrong. No, it's not. Felt, no you're no. right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. It felt familiar but, to me. So you, so the setup of the movie, the way this movie's structured, you liked it, Eric. You like, you're like, yeah, this is cool because it's, it's a storytelling device, I guess. They set a, a tone and an atmosphere that reminds me of like Tales from the Crypt and early Stephen King stuff that I could get into. I'm like, all right, what's this guy's story? Let's let this unfold. That's all I'll say for now. So how long does it need to be dragged out, though? So one of my early beefs here, Eric, sorry, is the fact that once... Bill Paxton, the father, is spoken to. His wife has died, and he sees an angel has come to him and given him a list, eventually, of names that he will get to kill because they're all demons. And the battle between the oldest son and Bill goes back and forth for a long time. Like, the things happen, right? They kill the first demon. and They watch it happen, both of his sons, and he takes his sons on the adventure all the time. But this back and forth between, hey, I don't want to... do this, you're just a murderer, versus Bill Pax's father saying, hey, I've been blessed by God himself, who's a he, apparently, by the way, as well, uh, to make sure that Problematic. My, his will is carried out. <laughs> Thy will be done by me. Now, you don't see it that way. And th- that that's when my early beast is just so much of a back and forth between them, and I, I got bored of it. That's, that's a criticism I'll throw out there. So, Eric, why is it called frailty? Let's get to it now, then. Oh, yeah! <laughs> um yeah the studio is pushing for just call it god's hands <laughs> right let's make it so literal it's not even funny um well the movie is about how um how easy it is especially for a child to be a willing participant in uh evil um it's about the human condition the human spirit uh especially if you're raised in this kind of religious environment where you basically have no choice but to just do whatever your parents do that is until you get a little bit older and wiser and blah 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 you have you have to go to church on sundays so uh the frailty of the human spirit is 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 something that can be examined when it comes to this situation okay that's what i love about this movie what what if this happened to you like i remember sitting in the theater Granted, I was nervous about this first date, which did not work out. Who takes a, a girl to a horror movie on a first date, and that's all they do? Uh, but I remember sitting there thinking, like, what if, what, what if this happened to me? What if my dad came home and he was like, gather up. Like, we're going to start killing people. I got into this story immediately uh, because, you know, I, I guess gullibility could be an alternative title for this. <laughs> For the film, the gullibility. But that's my take on it, uh, and I think it pertains to mostly the central character. We have this brittle man, played beautifully by Bill Paxton, who is a, a servant of of God, or else he claims to be. So he decides to do these horrible acts because of his own human frailty. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Well, I don't know. That's pretty obvious, but okay. I mean, I, hmm. I, 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 uh, I, I agree that I think the most 
if I'm hearing you right, to, or at least for me, mm. the most horrible, horrifying thing about the movie is the plausibility of it. Uh, that is that is scary. Like you know, the, the the possibility of someone raising their kid to be like this and using religion as a means of justifying evil. But one of the problems I have about the movie, and most of my problems, but with this movie are filmmaking reasons, frankly. Mm. But um, one of the big problems I have wow. with this movie. And it's funny because I didn't have this problem with The Witch, which um, hmm. I don't know why. But this movie presents this stuff like you're watching it from Fenton's perspective and you are watching it thinking like this is, you know, this is this is evil. This is a guy doing evil. But at the by the end of the film, it you were shown very clearly that um, Meeks, the senior, whatever the fuck his name is, was mm -hmm. right. He really was visited by an angel. Um, they really are doing God's work. They really do become invisible when they're mm -hmm. doing God's work. Uh, and like, you know, I, I just, I don't care for a horror movie that's like, hey, isn't this terrifying? Also believe in Jesus. Yeah. It's just not, it's just not for me. I had a beef with the fact that of how the movie ends with the twist and all that of he's going to kill uh, Agent Doyle. But he gets to go through this long charade to do it. But during the whole charade, he's it's so drawn out to make him seem like he's a killer and or he's a part of this world where he had to become a killer and didn't want to. It just seems like a it bummed me out when the twist yeah. happened. I was like, oh come on, you. man. Which one? Because the twist happens and then the movie keeps going and you get a couple. It does. More, oh, yeah. it's far from over like after he <laughs> lays his hands on Agent Doyle, who actually killed the mother. Turns out all that mother directing turned out he actually killed his mother. And I was surprised by that. I'm going to say it. I was. I was like, oh, shit, he actually killed his mother. I thought, like, he knew who the killer. I thought what happened when he had the situation where he finally talked about his mother and freaked him out in that area they're in, in the middle of the night, yeah. that they were going to go Road on a garden. quest together to find the actual killer. I'm like, oh, he's telling him now he knows because he's got this list and he's anointed by God that he will help you find the actual killer. But no, it's Powers Booth to kill his mother. And that got me. That was a, I'll give you a credit on that twist. But it it's also sucked the early part of the yeah. movie away from me. Like, poof, like a... the whole earlier part of the movie and should never happen. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, it's been like 13 years. Am I going to am I going to watch this and be like? They're just doing this whole thing so I can be surprised as an audience member. It makes no sense structurally. I didn't think that way. I mean, uh, Adam Meeks, played by Matthew McConaughey, has to lure Agent Doyle to the Rose Garden some way. So how does he do it? He unfolds his story. He gets his character invested so he can drive himself out there to eventually be killed and buried. So it makes sense for me. Maybe he doesn't have to lure him to the Rose Garden throughout the entire movie. They're, they're, they're killing people in the shed or in the basement of the shed. I mean, and they take and they kidnap them somewhere else and then bring them to that spot. So he, so there's no, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to put yourself in a situation in the hope that there's not going to be any other uh, agents in the building and that he's not going to leave a note or call anybody and tell them and go somewhere handcuffed in the expectation that you're good. But like, I guess you're so confident that you, you know, the God is always on your side. So there's like this superhero thing going on where they cannot fail, which again, I just takes, I mean, like it doesn't add to the suspense that no matter which way you look at it for me, it's like, Oh, okay. So you're just this, 
on this mission from God. I mean, I thought that some of the more effective stuff in the movie, for instance, was when like when Bill Paxton is seeing the vision from uh, underneath the car and he's see- looking up into this cathedral and like this uh-huh. angel. And then you see the perspective from outside the car and he's just laying there. And like, if they had done, flying in. Yeah. right. And if they had done stuff like that, like that would have been like, cause then like you're being led to believe like this isn't really happening. Let me give you another example of why I find that the whole thing kind of inconsistent. And I thought I was being kind of nitpicky when I took this note, but then when it's revealed at the end of the movie that this is all real, this is really happening, then my note made sense, which was that in when when Bill Paxton's character Meeks Senior, I can't think of his first. Uh, it's called name. Dad Meeks, by yeah. the way. That's how it's labeled, Dad Meeks. Dad. Oh, that's why I don't know his name, Dad <laughs> yeah. Meeks. Yeah, that's Dad. Okay, I'm going to call him that. So when Dad Meeks is uh, having his vision for the first time and is visited by an angel and he's looking at this, whatever is glowing and it's shining uh, and glowing, his face doesn't shine up. His face doesn't uh, is not reflecting that at all. There's no there's no lighting on his face almost whatsoever he's in he's in the dark and at first i was like well that's inconsistent i'm like oh because it's in his mind he's not really seeing it blah 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 and then and then you know i guess you could still argue oh he only saw the angels in his mind i'm like i guess you could find a way to argue the whole you know from whatever perspective you wanted but to me it just seemed convenient like the movie was doing whatever was convenient and it felt i mean dialogue wouldn't Fucking dialogue aside, cliched, wooden-ass dialogue aside, it all felt to me very like an amateurish script. Your response, Eric. Oh, uh, we don't have to go back. Eric doesn't have to respond to everything. I, uh, yeah, I didn't actually fast forward the movie. All right. Until I think like... uh, Way, the way late. Twist? When, when he gets locked in the... No, after he gets locked in the cellar, like, there was only a brief moment, too. I only did it for, like, two seconds. I Very minimal fast-forwarding this, oddly enough. Wow. I don't know what that says about the movie or not, because last week's movie was probably better than this movie, so it's not fair to Robert Eggers. But... What am I supposed to take from this movie? That Christ is real, uh, Jesus is real, uh, religion is real? Because uh, it's supposed to be, like... I really thought there was a really, really good movie about... Uh, child abuse and uh, uh, losing your sense of direction when you lose a life partner and you have to carry on with a family. And I was like, oh, wow, this is one of the most fucked up movies. For a while there, I said this is one of the most fucked up movies I've ever seen. You got this dad murdering people right in front of his two kids. I mean, this is hardcore. This is a hard R with, like, no bad language. So I kept thinking, like, shit, this is so intense. But then when the movie's revealed to be like, oh, Adam really is. He took Dad Meeks's place as the, uh, you know, the wrath angel or whatever right, you uh, want to call it. The hand of uh, God. Yeah, the hand of God. Then I'm like, oh, shit. So this is just like this is supernatural free-for-all because to me, this is just my opinion and, you know, it's no offense to anyone else. You know, religion is supernatural like anything else. It's all just like all you know, stories and tales. And uh, You mean like fiction? You mean not? Yeah. Mean like, no, I, well, I mean like, uh, you know, yeah, parts of religion – have actual supernatural stuff that I think are going on. And the written word is fiction too. So I guess my point is, I I, I was like, I just don't know. uh, Maybe I don't have to take anything from it. If it's entertaining, cool. But I don't think it's entertaining because kids bore me. I really don't like movies with a long stretch of children. And it's got to be done really well for me to buy into it, to take interest in it. And, you know, from the moment Dad Meek says he saw an angel. (laughs) Dad Meek. 
Yeah, Dad Meeks saw an angel. The eldest son was already like not buying it. And he said it was a whole like a dream to him for a week. And they were hoping he never mentioned it again. And then it just kept coming back. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this movie. It's very strange. I feel like you guys are both like, if I don't believe in God, like this movie sucks because they're right, trying well, to make me say, uh, oh, yeah, it turns out God exists. So, yeah, all right, well, let me back up. I know and, God doesn't right. exist. So fuck this movie. <laughs> I don't know that God doesn't exist. I just I just don't like movies that that tell me Christianity is real. But that's but this that, is a, this is fiction. They're not well, telling you. Hang Christianity. on. They're saying in this story, it turns out that and I didn't care for that. But regardless, as I said, the, the twists and, and that religious bit isn't even the real problem I have with the movie. For me, the, the problems are all filmmaking problems. I, I I think that these child actors, especially the older of the two, the kid playing young Fenton Meeks, are adequate. They do they do pretty good. They do okay for child actors because we've been pretty harsh on child actors in this show before. And I think that they do an okay job, a pretty good job with some really, really difficult material, the kind of material that frankly, like you kind of worry about kids making a movie like this. Cause then you're like, how, what kind of effect is this going to have on you later in your life? You know um, I think they both do a better job than Bill Paxton. I find him utterly awful in this movie. I've always found really? him just like terrible in this movie. Like I just, I, I it feels so telephoned to me. So inauthentic. Um, I think that, I think that maybe had he, chosen to direct or star i think he was spread a little thin um because and and cause i don't and i don't care for the direction either i mean how and and the editing how many fades do we need how many fucking fades do we need a lot of dissolves there's one dissolve from like a car window in the rain to uh, a tv that works really well it looks awesome but there's but, <laughs> or but a like, face I mean, to a head a real guy's face to the head statue how about that transition <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Well, it's better than the kid's head floating in the dark and like spinning, like it's just his head <laughs> in blackness. Looks like an Austin Powers scene. Vertigo. Um, oh, yeah, I guess, but it's 2001. But I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I so for me, like uh, this movie, like it's everything down to the lighting. It's I, like I just it feels like film school to me. Like it feels really like a rickety effort. Film shot by Bill Butler, who's no hack. He shot Jaws, The Conversation. I, I like the atmosphere. Like, it gets, like, some shit because, like, there's, of course, there's fog in the Thurman Rose Garden. So everything looks kind of fake and like a TV movie. But maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. For me, like, it, it's like a good rainy day horror movie for me because it's, like, somber and kind of quiet and delicately directed for me by Bill Paxton. There's no showy, like, big swooping crane shots or, like, MTV horse shit. Like, I like the direction. I think it fits kind of this simple, unassuming story. Um, so, yeah. And, and Bill Paxton, for me, dude... I can respect your opinion, but, like, it, it, this is a fucking tough role, and it reminds me a lot of Jack Torrance. So everyone knows that Stephen King was pissed off because Jack Nicholson just seemed like he was off from frame one, and, like, yeah, you, no one was surprised when he acted uh, perfectly fine with all these ghosts and he was almost aligned with this terror, And whereas in the book... He was supposed to be this man who's just consumed by evil, and he turns out to be a good man. Bill Paxton seems like this very earnest, brittle person for me who's just trying to take care of his family. And and I, I love his performance in this. And especially like on repeat viewings, I just see him as this father who's doing the best he can uh, and, and under these circumstances. I, I, I dig him in the role. 
I'm glad you do. And uh, our friend Steve Laskowski chiming in with "God hates this movie," which made us giggle. We weren't laughing at Eric. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was funny. Looked away. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can see why. I mean, he's going to be like, "Did you read the Bible? Like, did you read the story of Isaac and Abraham? Like, I don't go through with it. I don't fucking kid make him kill Isaac. I pull back. It's a test." And, and then you want me to believe that I would make this guy kill all these people? Yeah, there's that. And 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 to be totally upfront, like I'm, I've never like I love Bill Paxton in Predator Two, and I like him in no, I really like him in Near Dark, uh, and and a handful of other things. But I've just never, even when he passed, like I mean, I mean, like he passed, I'm like, oh, it's a shame he's been in my life the whole time. But like I, I was kind of like, ah, never my favorite actor. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I respect the man. I think that he was in a lot of classics, but he just never was someone who I thought did convincing work for me. And you know me, dude. I am not particularly. Uh, I, I mean, like, I respect actors. I, I can't do it. Um, if you're able to get up and do it, I'm, I'm, there's not a lot of actors. I'm like, I don't really care for him. But Bill Paxton, to me, has always just kind of not really worked. And that and that's part of it. Now, McConaughey, on the other hand, I think he does terrible work in this, too. I think he's just staring, flat-faced, uh, blank void that's just kind of sitting there um, delivering his lines very emotionlessly which i guess is like uh, what they're going for in a lot of ways but uh, again like it's just yeah. and then powers booth bugs me in this too i mean powers booth strikes me in this movie like when do i get my fucking paycheck i mean that's kind of like the attitude I've, i get from him <laughs> is that like he's just kind of storming around trying to get through it and i, it's, <laughs> wow. it's, I just i feel it all feels rushed oh, and 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 you're, I mean, the cinematographer, you're right. That's no slouch. But I mean, I, the whole the, the indie feel of the film should be in a, uh, like a good thing. But for me, it, it, it feels just I'm, I'm always feeling like I'm looking at a set. I always feel like I'm looking at a room that's lit by, you know, lights with fucking, you know, stand, you know, by Fresnels. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just every like ah, my complaints of this are, are many. Okay, I'm uh, hearing you. I'm hearing you. This movie was written by Brett Hanley, who's done nothing yeah. else. He's done uh, nothing. Nothing. It's not even like, oh, that one movie. That's just nothing else, okay? So maybe yeah. he's not the best writer. Who knows? I will say the dialogue is bland. Like, the responses of why this has to be done are simple. Like, Bill Paxton's Dad Beaks character is not going to go into some deep philosophical breakdown of, son, this is why we have to kill these demons. Uh, Bill Paxton gets most emotional when he has to put Fatten under the ground into the new dungeon. You know, he, he love I love you more than anything, son. I love you than I more than I love my own life. And he also gets emotional when Fenton had the audacity to run away and get the sheriff and he got him killed. Also, can you just kill the sheriff in a tiny town like that and nobody ever like follows up at all? It's all good. I mean, that seems that seems highly unlikely. This is that's oh, just something Texas. that Another yeah, sheriff, I guess another, in Meet Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Another another like member of the law enforcement community that doesn't take one of those while you are out memo, memo things and just scrawl on the back of it. Hey, went to go see blah blah. <laughs> might, yeah, they might, never might seem to like leave back. It yeah. Might get axed to death. Might go down into this shelter <laughs> thing underground. <laughs> like, yeah. why would he do that? That was like, oh, you know this is creepy, buddy. Because he's a kid. You? Nobody believes kids. <laughs> Fuck kids. Uh, I agree that, with I, his motivation. Actually, makes sense. It's like, oh, it's fucking dumb kids knocking on my door late at night. Fuck. Yeah, that part's rough. When he doesn't just call the dad, he, like, takes him back to the dad. And it's like, oh, what are you doing? You scummy. Yeah. Here. And that's when Bill gets most emotional. Dad meets like, you made me kill a man for the first time instead of a demon. And 
That's not powerful for you, Trev? Uh, no. Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm I'm harshly defending it here because this is what happens. Good. Whenever I'm the odd man out, I try my best, and then I pout later and text you guys how bad I feel. But um. I, I'm going to continue <laughs> to defend it. Uh, one thing that is a little tricky for me to defend is the fact that even Dad Meeks is cool with just axing to death the demons like i don't this is 1979 like i don't know if like 1-800 crime stoppers is a thing yet but maybe call in an anonymous tip <laughs> like like McGru- get mcgruff out there or something <laughs> what about like, all, what, what about what all those this? movie references how did you know it was 1979 was it the meatballs reference was the it warriors the warriors uh, reference oh, yeah, the warriors reference yeah um that's that's funny i i'll do i feel like i've said enough <laughs> Yeah, you said it all. Uh, well, dude, I mean, I got I got so many notes here because I actually thought you guys would be uh, okay. I'll I'll try to uh, come back down to earth here because I've been high on this since it came out twenty years ago. We got a father who is Stephen King praises the film, and and Dad Meeks does remind me like he has the potential to be somebody like Mrs. Carmody from The Mist. And one thing the film doesn't do is introduce dad as like a, a, a complete zealot. So automatically, like you have some sort of opinion about where he lies religiously. Like he's not listening to like Jimmy Swaggart in the radio. He's listening to Johnny Cash. And he's just a mechanic. So, yeah, you, it, it's not immediately believable that he would be like, all right, kids, like I just got this message from God. There's this mystery there, whereas, whereas they could have had m- more tension there for the kids to be like, dad's like crazy like uh he's gone too far this time i know he's like into god and stuff but like all of a sudden like that kind of comes out of nowhere he doesn't seem like the type of person that would be like I, we got to do everything god says like come on now guy <laughs> i'll tell you what I'm, I'm glad you're defending it i genuinely am glad that you're defending it i don't think it'd be fun for any listener that's a fan of any film to come onto a podcast or go to listen to a podcast and be like oh listen to these people just bash the fuck out of this movie i love for an hour and like, no one's gonna do that and, and there's clues there's clues like when i remember the first time i was watching it i'm like i i, I felt like i was watching a movie about kids being affected by parents projection of their own beliefs on the children which made for a very exciting horror uh and there's clues there like the fact that the mom is gone well is this just a dad that killed their mother and now he's trying to justify his lust for murder and get his kids involved in it he reads a book called holy visions that you kind of see in the dashboard of the truck so is he inspired by that he's gonna be like oh i'm gonna like talk about fatima and all this stuff and try to get my kids in interested in killing there's these clues there so there's a solid mystery leading up until like the eight twists at the end. So you got to give it that. Do you? I didn't know you had to. Uh, I would reconsider it. I also think that when you look at this movie, I really, really thought there was a different direction they could go. I know I already said it once, but these these kids are in mourning and they're sad, and it would be awful to be exploited like that. You know, I mean. The fact that they try to make it so real it ruins the movie for me, I think. Because I, I, I thought the fact that Fenton Meeks runs away and he wants to be away from this, every kid would want to be away from this. It's yeah. awful. It's just like the worst situation. Of, mm. a, I mean, it's one of the worst situations I've seen on film for a child. It really is like What's that so hardcore to me. About it? Like, when's the last time you saw a movie where a kid had to deal with this type of situation? That's what keeps me coming back. If I, well, I don't want to watch shit like that. Watch, I'm sorry, but watching this kid, like, like, yeah, but I mean, I'm okay. So horror is my favorite genre, 
And I love horror movies, but I'm also demanding of my horror movies and kind of picky about my horror movies. And one of the things I, you know, like I've never been into, say, torture porn, quote unquote, horror movies. I, I've never seen movies that have big reputations like a Serbian film or martyrs. Like I, I'm just not interested in certain things when it comes to horror and okay. watching this kid stretched out across. <sighs> <laughs> Watching this kid stretched out across the fucking stairs trying to drink water through a fucking hole like for weeks, man. Like that happens to people. That happens to people. And to watch it on film is brutal. It's fucking brutal. Like that is like, brutal. It, it comes out in two thousand two one or two, and there was a lot of walkouts, okay? And people look uh, attribute the walkouts to the fact that the Andrea Yates case was just everywhere in the headlines. And this is a woman who drowned her own five children. So the idea of sitting down with pop and popcorn to watch a movie about a, a, a father pretty much put his children through horrific abuse was a tough watch. Uh, so that puts it into a genre that was, was burgeoning. And that is kind of a torture porn genre and a, almost a child abuse horror genre. So I can see that being pretty tough. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's even almost. Oh, it's a uh, yeah, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. And I just don't I don't know why anybody would want to sit there and watch that. If some people that they would walk out and I understand why you would. It could be very uncomfortable. It could be traumatic and triggering for a lot of people. Uh, at the same time, I just don't care. I I, I just I just, <laughs> I just I get really I, there's a couple incidents. I've already named some of them, but another one is when a child the youngest Adam is like what is he 10 maybe not even that he's eight uh yeah, when something like he's that. gonna be able to swing a giant axe and chop a guy's head off I like I know that's maybe inconsequential to others but the fact that he can finish the job after dad gets stabbed which I also I also question whether Fenton could swing that axe and kill his dad with that that's a this is a big axe it's hard to swing an axe have you ever swung an axe you need yeah to be but like, he's done a he's yeah, done a lot of up. shoveling that summer he's built up oh it's true he strength. did yeah he really got to work out from the shoveling I forgot about that that's fair okay that's fair but I have more egregiously that the after dad Meeks is stabbed by his own dad son Meeks. and his he's not gonna let his mission die he whispers ever so gently to young Adam to finish the he's job man yes <laughs> and he can and, and that's the other thing too is Fenton a serial killer? Was that real? I, yeah. I started to get confused okay. at the end of the movie because it was yeah. going all over the place. Oh, yeah, Fent so yeah. Fenton becomes a serial killer. He, so he's the real God's hand killer that's killing people randomly and like he is. He, so yeah, and he is, and he's doing that to try and draw his brother to him, and his brother eventually does when he gets around to it kill him but he's being more secretive about his murders am i right Eric? i was confused i was confused you're on the right track and that oh, is a uh, it's 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 it gets a little <laughs> it gets a little murky i i, I like the direction and there's some like sh sh silly cinema showmanship here at the very end um i'm cool with the fact that they make the actual fenton a serial killer you go through this sort of circumstance in your early life that may mold you into something you don't want to become. There aren't enough clues there. I mean, it, I can see maybe if they planted some stuff, like he does start committing the murder, so he gets kind of a taste for it. But like, I mean, he's, he's so, staunchly defiant throughout the he, entire thing, and then all of a sudden he's, he's going to become a serial murderer. He is so dead fast against murdering that he will kill his own father to make him stop murdering. 
And then but that's his destiny. Killer? When he says, I'm ready to fulfill my destiny and kills his own father, I think that's where they're saying that's his turn to having a bloodlust for murder. It doesn't I guess, really work. I guess that was the, so obvious, too, yeah, by the way. He was going to kill his dad there. I'm like, oh, okay. I see well, this coming. I mean, oh, yeah, it's not yeah. surprising at all. No, it wasn't no. to me. No, the, only, the only thing surprising about all that was that mess shirt that Bob White was, or Chad White or Brad White, whatever the fuck his name is, wearing. He's got this <laughs> black mess shirt. <laughs> Brad White, yeah, that's right. So Brad Brad's White. dead fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it got confusing for me because I don't know who's who now. I know they mixed up the identities as part of the ruse, which I get, but I didn't know who was a serial killer, who wasn't. What about the beginning when uh, he shot himself on the phone? That was just like a made-up lie. Then they show, remember that he stole the ambulance from the town. Oh yeah. He's actually the sheriff yeah. of, but we're led to believe that his brother called him up on the phone and he, and he shot himself. Yeah, didn't I right. see that? Is that what you I saw? You did. No, that's right. <laughs> he the very said he witnessed his own brother's suicide. That didn't really add up. But hey, come on, you got to forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> come on, ignore that. Ignore that. Ignore that. Check ignore out this that. part. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> so, I mean, I, okay. Again, so again, kind of a clumsy script in some yeah. ways that could have been. And and bit. and as you said, Eric, you said it was an unassuming story. I don't know that I agree with that. I think it assumes a lot about its audience that you're going to be able to handle a bunch of shit and put up with like these weird twists and turns and uh, yeah, okay. the grabbing of the bodies was real when he grabbed their bodies. Oh, right, that was real. Right. It was all. <laughs> I thought he was acting. It was all right. Well, I'm sorry, but like one of the God's tools was the gloves, right? Where yeah. you can actually see the demons, but they kind of abandon it. Because and also, why can't McConaughey he doesn't need the gloves when he shakes the guy's hand at the end and says, right. you're a good man. I thought you had to have the gloves on. Come on well, now. And also, if, <laughs> if your son is a demon and you're touching your son all the time, why are you not seeing your son as a demon? And also, if seeing a demon means seeing their evil ways the evil things they've done they're not demons they're fucking people and two that's your why you son, gotta call him a gruff your son hasn't done anything yet so i guess it's kind of um <laughs> you know you know kind of like in moon knight i guess like killing people for what they will do precogs yeah, where's but the precogs course, in this movie the <laughs> but of course he only does that because of what his father made him which okay you know so there's things to talk about here but um remake I wouldn't watch it. Oh, but I'm a fucking demon. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, any other further final notes, guys, before we come to a conclusion on frailty? Oh, man, dude. Um, Bill Paxton would have been 67 this week. Oh, I've, he must have done a lot of though. coke. I think he did a lot of coke. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> you guys That's are a guess. uh, Allegedly, heart, please don't sue. You guys are breaking <laughs> my heart. I Let's take us for everything the... we got. <laughs> the warm, kind, sweet, earnest Bill Paxton. Watch Mean Dreams. This is a film I brought up quite a while back. Uh, it's one of his last movies where it's kind of a hard-ass role for him. Fucking awesome in it, man. I think it's on Netflix called Mean Dreams. Watch it. I really love Bill Paxton. But as far as, like, last, I'm, I'm not saying I'm going right now, but I guess I can if you guys want to wind it down. It's also an all-Texas uh, crew and cast, you know? Powers Booth, Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Bill Paxton, Texans, loving Texans. Isn't that nice? That's that authentic. Is. That's cool. I guess. Yeah. Good um, old Meet, meet Texas. Yeah. In Meet Texas. Dad, and meet, meet Texas, where Dad meet, made a... Made a <laughs> oh, meet, meets, meet, 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 meet Texas. Meet, oh. yeah. meet Texas, where Otis <laughs> murders people, but Otis is an axe, not a person. So, 
And who I don't know why he's called Otis. I have no idea. That was never explained. Well, I don't think I, I care, frankly. It seems like someone carved their initials in it because it was their axe, and then Bill came and robbed yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> seems, seems to be the case. Yeah. Robbed that abandoned barn. It's like, uh, someone's you know like, oh, I got to stop chopping wood and go take a piss around the barn real quick. <laughs> <laughs> come back. What the fuck? What if that was the same, what if it was the same axe from last week? That was uh, the old man who chopped wood. That axe lived on for centuries. Who knows? That'd be fun. Right. What a connection between these two movies. No. And better child <laughs> acting for the guy who played Caleb last week. That's This is also a mistake. Bad timing, I feel like, because we saw Caleb do some oh, yeah. killer child acting last week, and then right. I had to watch these guys this week, and it just didn't quite get there. I mean, that was, that was a high bar to clear. I do think that this perfectly made sense as a companion piece to the witch. I can it 100% does. see why, um, it, why watching the witch, you know, this came to mind. There's a lot of connective tissue between the mm-hmm. movies in terms of theme. Well, uh, Travis, then do you want to lead us off then? Because I feel like sure. we kind of know where you're going with this. So I found myself going back and forth on whether or not I was going to in return, subject you, Eric, to Freddie Got Fingered. And I decided <laughs> that you did not know my hatred of this movie. I'd never really addressed it with you. I don't think we've ever talked about it before. So you didn't know what you were inflicting upon me. Um, I, 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 I get like I rarely have I dreaded watching a movie so much for this podcast. And uh, I, I mean, I, it's I. I I hated it even more the second time. I really am genuinely sorry to anyone that likes this movie. Uh, I know it's hard to um, hear people bash things that you enjoy, Eric. I'm sorry for putting you through this, but I've always felt strongly about this movie. And this was my tempered response. I've actually kind of reined it in more than I thought it would. Damn. So, um, yeah, I I put it at the bottom of lists. uh, I put it at the bottom of the list of movies that we've done on this show. It doesn't hold up. Wow. Worse than Harsh Times? <laughs> I'd, I'd rather watch Harsh Times. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, why don't you redeem us? Then I'll close it out. Yeah. Um, I suppose uh, I, I kind of, something about me likes the fact that you don't like it because it makes me <laughs> feel even better for being a fan to appreciate what it has to offer here, man. Good. We've got, Good. Uh, like I said, it's kind of this... This dour, kind of just like rainy day, different horror movie with this weird story. What if this happened? What if one day your dad came in your room and said, we got to start killing people. What are you going to do about it? All right. Well, let's let's investigate this. Let's watch a movie about this. Does it have a clumsy ending where they shove a bunch of stuff in at the last second to try to tie it up? This mood and this atmosphere and this building anxiety and trepidation and moroseness throughout this foreboding tone from a first-time director, Bill Paxton, that I dig. I love the performances. Um, I don't know. I just dig it. It's something different. It makes you think after you've watched it, in my opinion. Uh, so for that reason, I, be- I believe it still holds up as kind of a, just something different in 2002 when horror was about to get fucked by hostile and all this other horse shit so yeah i'm still a fan i think it holds up okay well these all make sense now it's up to me um i really don't know how to feel about the film but it did confuse me a great deal as we mentioned early on uh steve says kill the vibe on my plenty of fish first date damn you paxton <laughs> plenty of fish. he ate plenty of fish 
I'm so sorry. Yeah, date movie recommendations need to be upgraded for some of us, our friends call. here. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love Matthew McConaughey. I, I mean, I really do. I love watching him in a film. And I think he's, I think he's fine in this movie because he's not supposed, he's supposed to be like so at peace with the world because God has entrusted him as his servant. It actually makes sense that that's the way he would act. He'd be the kind of guy who's like, it's cool, man. God's got my back. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I buy that. Uh, it's not, he doesn't need to get fired up because God's got him covered. Uh, I love Powers Booth. That's fun. Uh, I just feel it's a missed opportunity for Bill Paxton. He's a first time director, too. I feel bad for him, right? This is his first directorial effort, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so much left on the floor for the possibility of, I know it's a thriller, but, you know, exploring this family dynamic in a much more honest way in a in a different way where you really feel the pain of the children but you also kind of get it authentically because a dad in this age from 1979 or so doesn't know what to do with two boys doesn't know how to like help them get in touch with the pain and challenge of losing a mother and a parent in a time in their lives where they really need one they're gonna need their dad too but uh you know Mental health, 1979, doesn't exist. I mean, it exists, but it doesn't really exist in this type of dynamic. And I wouldn't expect it to either, so I shouldn't shove my own beliefs and point of view into a movie in a time period. It's kind of an anachronistic thing to do. I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to do that. But it's kind of a boring movie to me. I didn't even say this yet, so I'm saying it now. I love Eric. I love you very much. You're a good man, and I'll always appreciate our friendship. He, so he didn't make is, this movie. He didn't, he didn't yeah. write it. Well, I, I, I got to read it. I got to let him know. I just got to let him know. Yeah. Bad date. Just, love the movie. No, it's bad, it's so, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> it's so odd that I fast-forwarded less of this movie than last week's, but last week's held up. This one, I, I guess I was just trying to wait for it and be a little bit more patient. It does move quicker than Robert Eggers because Eggers moves slow as fuck anyways. So <laughs> the pacing's like, quicker. But it's still more. It might be more boring than The Witch, mm. which is kind of hard to believe. So mm. I think I'm gonna say this one doesn't hold up just for a few reasons. It's not something I'd ever watch again. I wouldn't watch The Witch again either. I really wouldn't. But it did hold up. So okay. this one, I'm sorry, Eric. I'm not offended. Been a while since a movie did not hold up. I guess love we're you too, back dude. on the not hold up train. But I love this movie more than you. Well, well, you're <laughs> allowed to be there. <laughs> hey, if you're a big fan of this movie, get your ass over here and tell Eric yeah. why you love it. Support him. He needs it right now. More than ever. Yeah, come at him like with a really earnest look on your face, full tilt with an axe running towards the camera <laughs> and tell him how much you feel. Yeah, <laughs> like that slow-mo <laughs> shot of Braveheart. Yeah. It was like it was like shot after shot of him like just <laughs> like coming in. Like, oh, there he is again. <laughs> coming at the camera no blood splatter <laughs> in any of this movie by the way that's nope, purpose, hardly any blood purpose. it's about blood- the kids reactions not the yeah. gore bloodless oh bloodless, that's a bloodless murder okay not, e- bloodless not murder. even like on the dirt anyways like <laughs> it's over you don't have to deal with this anymore travis you can let it go all right there it is it frailty it's done frailty's in the can for this week next week we're going to do a movie that will be my choice and more horror i got it <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I'm totally getting us out of this. You know it's over. Right. It's over. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. It's climb out. It's time, time to move on. It was fun. It did make sense to have it a companion it piece. I agree, but uh, this is not a horror exclusive show, so it's time for us to go <laughs> in a different direction. And I think we're going to go in a different genre, of course. And I was thinking it over. I got this list of so many movies. It's so hard to choose. And I was looking mm. at it yesterday, and I'm like, oh, I'd like to do that one. I'd like to do that one. Uh, but I'm going to go to 1988. We're going to the 80s. Good, good. More cool. 80s. Uh, Need more 80s movies. More yeah. 80s. 
I haven't watched this movie in forever, but I mean, I could quote the whole movie once upon a time in my life, but yeah. I easily not see this movie in 20 years, at least, probably. It's been a long damn time. It was groundbreaking at the time. Let's do Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Dude, it's on my short right. list. All right. This is a great call, man. Yeah. Hey, right. okay, cool. All right, that's a great call. Yeah, good yeah. call. I'm fucking just I, thinking about this the other day. I was thinking hey! about it. Today. Thinking you about don't it hear about today. it at all. I, I was reading about it today. <laughs> oh, I was reading about because okay. I was reading wow. about uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and they're comparing it a lot to this movie. But oh. you don't hear a lot of people talking was, about Roger Rabbit. I was reading about Bob Hoskins uh, talking That's about how he awesome. he had to stop doing movies for a year after he watched after he filmed this because <laughs> he started hallucinating weasels coming out of walls. Holy shit! There's a lot <laughs> yeah. to talk about. He had a hard I'm time. I'm pumped. This is a great yeah. call. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, then we'll do it next week. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Robert Zemeckis. The first film? Bob Zemeckis. Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah, we haven't done. So. Yeah, yeah, we didn't cool. do Forrest Gump. We haven't done Back to the Future. Uh, we did, one of those we, did, we, did, we did do Back to the Future, dude. Oh, we did. <laughs> That's right. Holy <laughs> shit balls. A long time ago. I think it was like episode 10 or something. We've one come of to our the point guests. where we can't remember our old episodes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, well. yeah I guess that one just whew, went over my head. So. Okay. Yeah, we did do Back to the Future. You can go back to listen to it anytime. Uh, and if you want to watch all of our old episodes right here on the YouTube, five-star reviews, subscribe, yada, yada, yada. You know how like, it works. Subscribe. Yeah. You know, do something positive for the show. We'd be very grateful. So until Murder next demon. week, yeah, murder, keep murdering the demons and follow <laughs> God's will. For Travis, Eric, I'm Michael. We'll see you next time. May God welcome you and keep you. <laughs>